Hi, my name is Teal, and I'm your host for the SweatNet Be Amazing podcast, where we share stories of amazing women who live in our communities. My hope is that you will feel encouraged and inspired after listening to each episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Be Amazing podcast. I'm your host, Seal, and I'm so excited that you've joined me today for another inspiring episode. And I want to give you a little bit a little bit more insight to this episode and why it is special to me or close to my heart. My guest today, I actually met her uh, during 2020. Um, it was actually late, I, I want to say late summer, early fall. Um, it was actually a group of women. And it all started with my friend Tracy. She had reached out. I had met her through a nonprofit in Charlotte. We'd done some work for the same nonprofit and connected. And she'd reached out to me wanting to see if I would train she and several of her girlfriends um, because she was dealing with some really uh, difficult times in her life and just needed to relieve stress. And I was happy to do so. So I met with them for several months and just uh, it made such an impact on me. Like, yes, they were getting to work out, but they really touched my heart at the same time. And it was just an incredible experience. And through that, I met my guest today, Bess Kircher. And she is a uh, mom of two boys. Uh, she is a, a wife, a mother, and she is also an author. And I was so intrigued that she had written her first novel. And it had released, I don't think it had released that long before we all started working out. But the name of the novel is called Now and at the Hour. And Bess is not only going to talk about the book and it really tell you there's a story behind the story, but she's also going to share her journey with it in writing it. And to me, there's so much value in that. And the advice that she gives is amazing. And it's going to be something that you can not only to apply to yourself if you're planning to write a book, but you can really apply it to anything. So get ready for an incredible conversation with Bess. Hi, Bess. I am so glad to have you on the show today. Thank you, Seal. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And we have an interesting uh, story because I actually met you last year. Um, this is y'all. This is after you know COVID shutdown, <laughs> and there's a group of women that uh, were supporting one specific friend um, to work out, and it was during those workouts that I met you at the park, which was so cool. Yes, it was. Um, that was such an unexpected gift. So many things about that, um, but. It was just so cool to have a space where we could safely gather and, you know, really um, have a workout for our, our bodies, but just also, you know, sort of a social workout, which was so lacking during that time um, and just support each other, like just try to be healthy all the way around. So, yes, I'm so thankful. That's so cool. Well, let's get started, but you got to tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Who are you? Who am I? What a question. Um, Well, I am a 50-year-old woman as of this past year. Um, I am a married mother of two boys. My oldest is getting ready to graduate from high school in just a few weeks, which I cannot believe. my youngest is a sophomore in high school. So except for the dog, we are very heavy on the boys team over here, <laughs> which may be why I was fleeing to Freedom Park. <laughs> See yeah, the ladies that's it. Uh, during the pandemic. Um, but uh, see, when my kids were fairly small, let's say two and four, um, I went back to school a uh, little shout out to Queens University of Charlotte uh, to get a master's degree in communications. And after that, I began freelancing as a writer and contributed to Huffington Post and to the Charlotte Observer. And um, I blogged for several years on the Observer's Mom Charlotte platform. And then last year, I published my debut novel, which is a middle grade story called Now and at the Hour which is about a 12-year-old boy who navigates a significant year when his mom is diagnosed with cancer. So that's me. (laughs) Which is really cool. And this is a lot of what I wanted to bring you on and talk about because 
uh, I think the fact that you have, you know, published this novel and there's a story behind it, there's a story behind the story. Uh, but when did you, because you went to school for like you said, you went back to school for communications. When did you really start? Have you been writing your whole life or just were all of a sudden inspired to start writing or is that, and, and maybe that's just your form of communication in general? I would say kind of a little bit of all of that. Um, I would say for as long as I can remember, I've always loved to read. So I've always been a big reader and um, I've always been a little bit of an introvert. And as a child, you know, was fairly shy. So I think I loved immersing myself in stories. And then also the space where I felt most comfortable communicating was through writing. And that all sort of carried forward um, into my adult life. And I was an English major in college. I kind of dabbled in creative writing then. Um, but it wasn't until I went back to graduate school where I had to write a ton for my program that I really uh, just had the opportunity and the time to, to recognize that that passion was sort of rekindled in me. And I, I, you know, I had to do the writing, the assigned writing, but um, I had a lot of freedom in the way that I went about it in terms of really being able to hone and, and find my own voice. You know, there are a lot of people in my program who uh, were in coming from professional spaces um, you know, the hospital or the banks. And you know, I was coming from uh, a stay-at-home mom situation. You know, I'm like crashing in there with, you know, <laughs> a hot mess basically. And I'm trying so desperately to immerse myself in this intellectual space and make a contribution uh, while my brain was just sort of uh, in going a million different directions kind of on the home front. And, uh, but what I found was even within that space, like I had things to say, you know, and that I had things to say that only I could say, and that everyone who was in that program had a different contribution to make. And so that was really um, an interesting and unique way to kind of find my voice as a writer. And um, ironically, even though it seems so counter to trying to have that, you know, really smart, uh, focused voice within my program, having the small kids at home, you know, what I ultimately ended up writing the most about was being a mom when I was blogging on the Mom Charlotte platform. So, you know, sometimes you can't ever anticipate how those things will come full circle. And you just sort of have to keep trusting the process and just moving forward in whatever way you can. So um, I think definitely once I was in graduate school, I wanted to be a writer. I definitively, you know, wanted to pursue that in some way um, on the back end. I think that's so awesome. And I think it's interesting to hear you say like you found your voice because I'm sure when you started school, even with the intention of wanting to be a writer, you didn't really realize at that point, like how much you were going to discover about you and about the voice you actually had. Absolutely. And I think, you know, it was so, I just had to let go of just a lot of fear around trying. You know, I remember when I applied for my program, I think it took, might've, might've been like six months <laughs> finish writing the application. I was like, oh, this is awesome. Okay. So <laughs> that means it will probably take me like three years to finish a class <laughs> and like I'll graduate in three decades. <laughs> I mean, like, this is ridiculous. Like there's just no way. And, you know, this, that fear of, of failure can be so intense that you don't even, it is sometimes can be very difficult to even try. Um, but, you know, I think if you can just take some of those risks and put yourself out there, you know, you can reap such great rewards. And I say that as someone who is fully risk averse, I, I am, 
I am not. I don't know if you've ever studied the Enneagram. Do you, have you ever? I no, I've yeah. heard about it. I have not studied it. So for people who know the Enneagram, I'm an Enneagram six. Basically that just means like scanning for threats, you know, like safety, you know, secure, like, and so it, it's just really, um, so I'm saying now, like, just, you know, take risks and risk failure, but um, it is probably, I would say a constant struggle for me to take my own advice. But I do recognize that looking back on my life, you know, that has been um, the catalyst for so many important uh, transformational experiences in my life, including graduate school and then subsequently writing. Yeah. And you, and the thing that you're talking about with fear and risk, like there was a lot of that that you did in writing this book because you're taking on a story and you're writing a story and I'm sure in just how that you're writing it, there's that fear of like, you know, am I going to do it justice or is this, is everybody going to get the full, you know, the full story of what's going on? So I'd like to hear a little bit more about the story behind the book. Yes. Well, um, everything that you've said resonates with me. Uh, and this particular story, there are several things that sort of lined up that now I can look at retrospectively and see how they all provided the space for this particular story to come forward. Um, there were three things. Um, one was years ago, <laughs> um, my younger son, he'll so appreciate that I'm distinguishing which one it was. Um, my younger son <laughs> made the announcement that he hated to read, just like not going to do it, like just did not care for it. Thank you. And um, for me, you know, I was like, what? sorry, what? <laughs> what? Um, but my response to that was, you know, I just think you haven't found the right book yet. And so even though he was well beyond the time when we would typically read together, he would read to me or I would read to him, we started doing that again. And when we came across the middle grade novel, Wonder, it really changed everything um, for both of us. He found a book that he really enjoyed and was willing to admit that maybe <laughs> there were other books in the world <laughs> that were tolerable also. Um, but for me, it really planted a seed that maybe someday I would want to write or attempt to write something similar. And that is to say a meaningful story that deals with serious subject matter, but in a way that was manageable for kids. Um, so that seed was planted. And then many years later, um, I had sort of an inspired trip to San Francisco, uh, which helped to fuel my decision to set the story there. Um, but my most important inspiration for the story came from the experience of a friend, Sherry, um, as she was diagnosed and battled cancer. Um, she had such a powerful personality, was such a charismatic um, person, just such an incredible energy. Um, and so when she received that, very difficult news, like all of that and who she was like really served her well as she tried to navigate what came next, which included multiple surgeries and treatments. Um, and at one point on the back end of much of that, she made the decision that she wanted to travel to Rome with her husband and she wanted to go there to pray. And that idea seemed at once uh, a perfect idea because sort of in need of a miracle um, and also a completely fraught idea because her situation was very tumultuous at that time. She would be fine and then she would be in the hospital in and out. And um, but they did go 
and they were able to experience that trip. Um, and when she reflected upon it, when she was on the trip and when she came back, those reflections about her life and about her faith were so profoundly moving to me. I just, it just changed me. And I just felt so strongly that that was something that deserved to be out in the world, you know, that there had to be a way to share it. But of course, I mean, it was her inspiration. It was her story, you know, and I talked to her about it and I said, you know, it may be that you don't want anyone to tell this story. It may be that you want to tell it. It may be that you're not interested in having these sort of larger lessons fictionalized in some way, but she was very much behind it. And she said, I would love for it to be out in the world and I would really love for you to try to do it. And so after she died, I really became committed to finishing um, it and trying to see it, you know, all the way across the finish line to exist as an actual real book you could hold in your hands in the world. That's incredible. How long did it, so how long did it actually take you to write the book? Well, <laughs> it's, um, so those conversations from the time when we, when those first initial idea, you know, not even really understanding what kind of story or how it would be told or who would be in it from the time when it existed as an actual book, I want to say almost six years of working on it. Um, you know, when I started writing it, I was halfway through writing a, a women's fiction novel. Um, and I was blogging for The Observer and I was, you know, I had a lot of other things going on. And so um, I started this project also and was just getting pulled in so many different directions. And um, interestingly, there were three kind of projects, the women's fiction novel, this novel, and a nonfiction book that I was working on. And I could, I just was, felt pulled in so many different directions. And I had a friend who was an editor who agreed to like, look at sort of a, a pitch for all of them and the initial pages for all of them. And then to tell me which in her opinion, she felt like I should focus on first. And so, so I prepared all of that and then gave it to her. And then when we met, she said, okay, I have read through everything. And I think uh, for sure you should start with the women's fiction novel. And my heart just sank. It just, I was like, oh no, like she didn't pick, she didn't, she didn't pick the middle grade. And, and so the whole time she's talking, she's saying, you know, you're, you're further along in that you've, you know, invested more time you've, and so finished that first. And I just could not stop thinking of the other book. And it's kind of funny to think now, I mean, at the time I was like, well, she said this one, so I'm doing it. <laughs> I just couldn't, I, you know, and then finally I was like, hello, friend, what you wanted was an answer of where your energy should go. What was your, where was your heart? What was your, you know, and you have your answer, write the book that, write the book that you know, that you now know that you should really focus on. And so it became a clearer focus at that time. And then again, once my friend passed away, um, you know, I was just very immersed in it, but there was a lot at that point that I was writing that I couldn't use because I was really grieving that loss through the writing and um, which, you know, on the back end was um, a gift in its own way. But at the time it was just, you know, it was just, uh, just a lot to have to navigate. Um, but that's, you know, once I decided that, you know, this was the project I, I wanted to do, and this was the project I had to do, 
then, you know, I was faced with the reality that I, I wrote about kids a lot, but I had never written for them. And even though I had that other seed that had been planted those years before, I, you know, had a lot of work to do to figure out all of the pieces um, of a middle grade novel and how to try to execute them well. That's so cool. I, you said something really interesting. I'm going to back up just a little bit. When you were, you went to the editor because you're looking for her to confirm your answer you had in your own heart. And I think about how many times I've done that where I'm looking for somebody to like, you know, confirm it. So I feel like I'm not crazy. Or I'm on track. And I think there's such truth when you have to finally come to grip that they're not going to have that same connection or that same, you know, somebody on the outside might, might, might not really get all the things that have gone behind the scenes to lead us to the point or a decision. And there are times where I think we have to go with what we feel heart-wise. Not all the time. I mean, there are some things that you have to make, you know, certain decisions on, but there's a lot of times I think when we question ourselves and we, you know, start to trust your own gut. Yes. Well, it's interesting because I think it's like you, um, only you know what that passion is, what that, where that creative energy is, you know, all those things, that inspiration, all that, whatever it is that fuels, you know, your capacity to be able to move something forward and to create and to have it manifest in a certain way. Um, I think the flip side that you've alluded to too, which was definitely true for me and through just the process of writing and, and publishing, you, you, I think you have to constantly kind of search for, evaluate and sort of affirm that piece that, of which we were just speaking, but also you have to be open to instruction, to information, to possibly rejection, <laughs> to like the process of realizing whatever it is that you are attempting to do. And um, I think that is a tricky thing to navigate when it is something that's very close to your heart. Because, you know, um, to put it out there is sort of make yourself vulnerable to criticism to whatever it is and but then to have it exist in the best way it possibly can will require you to accept that kind of information and feedback and just to you know remain sort of constantly committed to trying to do better trying to do the best that you can but also realize this goal that you have been able to identify for yourself I love all of that. I love the part about being open and, you know, being, it's almost being coachable in a sense. Um, in that way that you can, you can kind of evolve through the entire process of what you uh, committed to doing. I think that's just so awesome. And, and six years is a long time to work on it on any, I mean, on any project. And I don't mean like, you know, I expect somebody to whip out a book and, you know, 10 days, but when it's that kind of, when it's a true project and, and a novel definitely is, um, and to see the commitment to it and, and, you know, all that you've poured into it, every bit of you is probably in that book <laughs> for better or for worse. Well, and, I, and let's just, yeah, this will be a good time to say it is a debut novel. It is definitely an imperfect little book, but there is so much of, um, my heart in that in that book. Um, and, you know, part of why the road was so long was just that there were several moments when I had to, um, you know, pump the brakes and say, okay, this part isn't working. This isn't, you know, I I'm getting feedback. And by the way, when you get feedback from, say, agents who are rejecting your work, it doesn't feel like a gift at the time, but it, it, it can be. It is. I mean, it is because, you know, 
it allows you to re-examine everything. And what I found is even, you know, at times I would find myself in the situation where one person would have one take as a criticism and then someone else would have the opposite take. <laughs> and so in the end, you still have to reconcile and decide, you know, am I keeping this? Am I not? Am I changing this? Am I not? Um, but I think it's that whole process of being intentional and being strategic and being humble and willing enough to, um, to listen and then, and then decide and then decide, you know, and move forward in the way, the best way that you can for your story or for your project. Um, but I, I laugh a lot to think about the most confident that I ever was about this novel <laughs> was the day that I wrote the end for the first time, for the first time of like five times. <laughs> oh, that was such a good day. <laughs> like almost just like, it makes me smile, like also want to cry. Like just to think how I was like, it's done. It's hello, who wants this book? It's amazing. You know, I mean, I just felt like, yes, like I did it. And I had done it. I had done a first draft. A first draft is never a last draft. It's just not, you know, and I mean, there are, are whole storylines in the novel as it, as it exists now that didn't, weren't in it then, that came from subsequent readers and feedback and getting that information and being able to see, okay, well, there's, there's a part here that's not working. There's a hole here. There's, you know, and then saying, okay, so what, so what else, you know, how, how can I make it better? Um, and I would say you said something early on that is probably, I mean, I still grapple with this. It's still my biggest fear about the book is just that just wanting to do justice to the experience of my friend who inspired it. And I just don't know in some ways that it's even possible to have, to have done that. But um, you know, I do think that there were so many incredible things about her spirit and her energy and so many incredible things that, that were, that can be positive, even in terrible times that I do think that through the writing the book and in the book, um, you know, I tried to honor the reality of those experiences and how hard they are and how heartbreaking they are, but also lift up the things that transcend them and transcend those hard parts of life. Um, and so, you know, you just do the best you can. Um, well, I think it's a beautiful way to share someone's story. Um, it's, I love stories so much and which is, you know, this podcast is all about that. And, but um, to share some one story in that unique way with such heart behind it is um, is really sweet and really just like amazing. Well, you're very <laughs> well, you're very very sweet and amazing. So thank you. I yeah. um, it is a little surreal to be able to like actually hold it in my hands and. Um, just have this piece that just for me, like keeps her so close. Um, and so that for that, I'm very grateful. And it's interesting, you know, there are certain parts of the books that I've had some opportunity to do some readings and, and different things. And um, I mean, the book is a completely fictionalized story. You know, it's about a 12 year old boy who lives in San Francisco and He's a Catholic school kid, a skateboarder, um, lives with a single mom. And so all of that is, is just um, completely made up. Um, but there are parts of the story that, are, that were inspired by um, things that happened when I was really grieving Sherry. And it's not, I mean, it's fictionalized, so it's not even, it's interesting. Like I can't read those parts out loud. 
Like I can't get through, I can't get through. And there've been several times when I've tried to, and it's not even that they would be necessarily that sad or that significant necessarily to someone else, but it's just what it, and then I realized that there's something really amazing and beautiful in that, mm. that like how it exists outside of me and my experience is just a completely different thing. And um, it does feel like a gift to just have the opportunity to try to make that happen. So. And I think that's awesome. Like that you going back and reading it, like it, it's your connection. It's that memory of her. It's that you know, all the things that you experienced, the process that you went through. And here it is, it's this book that other people are reading and they may, you know, they don't know all the, all that went behind it, which is what, you know, makes it so special and which is why I wanted to, for you to share. So what, if there's somebody that is, is kind of toying around with the idea of writing a book, or maybe it's um, somebody that might be starting to write, do you have like three tips that you would give someone? I can give you three tips and I'm going to, I'm going to add an extra one. I'm going to, I'm going to say, let's just three plus yeah, three plus, plus. <laughs> my foundation pre-tip <laughs> that we can just, uh, will be our assumption is to actually write. So we're going to assume that people will know that like, and that sounds like, that sounds silly to say, but Sometimes just like, just make sure that you are setting aside the time that you are actually, you know, pen to paper or hand to keyboard or just, you know, so let's say you are writing, so you're working on it. So um, I would say based on my experience, first of all, just learn as much as you can and never stop learning and step, stop trying to um, improve your writing. I think the thing that is so tricky is that you don't know what you don't know <laughs> until, <laughs> until you do and <laughs> until you do. And so kind of thinking back to my experience of my first draft where I was like, it's done, you know, and it was so not done, but it was, it could never be done if it wasn't in the place that it was at that time. So it's all moving you to the right direction, but any opportunity that you have to, you know, take an online course, to read a book, to hear other authors talk, to, to any of that, it just will help, it will serve you so well to be open to that and to constantly be doing that. Um, I think it's really important to identify the goals you have for your own project and your book. You know, some people may say like, uh, this is going to be the next New York Times bestseller. I, you know, I want to be traditionally published. I want to, you know, query agents. I want, um, you know, I see my book in this particular space. This is what I will use my book for. This is what I hope it does in the world. But those answers can be different for each book and for each author. And so I think um, it's not really... Uh, just one right way. Um, and I think that if you can identify what you're hoping to see happen on the back end and kind of what you see, how you see this project or this book fitting into your career as a writer, and then what you want to subsequently have happen with that. Um, you know, I think that's a really important piece of the puzzle as people are figuring out moving forward. And then I think the most important thing is to find your people, like find, find that community that is going to help you navigate all of it. And for me, I mean, there were so many different spaces that made this book possible. Even going back to my grad school community, that was such an affirming, amazing space to try to find my voice as a writer, to my writing group, which I'm in a writing group with three other local writers, um, Camry Martin, Tracy Curtis, and Trish Rohr. Um, and, you know, having that space with those women who, I mean, are just brilliant <laughs> and inspiring and creative people in their own right, but also can offer 
practical support and emotional support and, you know, can help you to be brave and strong as you're navigating a process like this to like my publishing company, Warren Publishing, which is an amazing group of women there to the bigger writing community in Charlotte. We are so lucky here. Writers are so lucky here because we have a wonderful public libraries, our independent bookstores, Park Road Books and Main Street Books in Davidson, the Charlotte Writers Club, the Charlotte Readers Podcast, Charlotte. I mean, it's just, there are so many spaces. Um, and so finding that community and then being a part of it, meaning not just that you receive from the community, but that you give. I think that that process of being a support and getting support is such an empowering piece. And um, then, you know, you, you have other people who can be a part of your successes and your process and you are a part of theirs. It's just such a positive space. In, if we're talking about writing and publishing in particular, in um, a journey that is not always so much. So, <laughs> so just, you know, as Jen Hatmaker, who's a writer would say, like, find a soft place to land, like create that soft place to land with your people. That's so great. I, this is why you and I connected so well, because you, we talked, uh, we were talking about the podcast and what, you know, we were going to talk about the book and all of that. And then we started talking about this piece of it where you're talking about how community is important to you and, and that community is different. You know, you, you said it again, it's different. It's almost like different pockets or different spaces. And I'm the same way. I, you know, I have, I have friends in fitness. I have um, you know, friends that are women that are business. I have, um, you know, I have friends that are into competing. I have friends that, you know, there's just so many different sides. And so when you, when we had talked about it, that really resonated with me. And the fact that you're giving them as, as a lot of credit of how you really pushed forward, I would have to say the same thing about me too, is like, I would be doing half the things I'm doing if I didn't have a soft place to land, a community to be a part of. And it's, not just one community, it's multiple, but they're all under like a, under the big umbrella, you know, of my community, just depends on which one I'm tapping into or where I'm investing or giving into. But I just, it's such an important piece. And sometimes I don't know that it always gets as, you know, especially when we talk about women, sometimes the cattiness or things can come up and kind of the negative, you know, people can cut the negative can kind of cloud. And that's just, for me, it's been positive. And you said the same thing, like my community is positive. Like everybody is there to lift each other up and, you know, high fives and um, encouragement. Now they'll shoot straight. Some of them will shoot straight with you from the hip when you need to hear it. Like that's not right. Like CLS. Not a good yeah. <laughs> um, but, but for the most part, it, it's, it's like a, it's a give, give. That yes. Is me. Yes. I think absolutely. Um, I, you know, it's interesting because, you know, if you know you're situated in what is an affirming space, then when people are saying, okay, you know, CL, I'm wondering, okay, maybe not so much this thing, like, but you know that you are hearing that from someone who uh, only wants good things for you. And, you know, then again, we can go back to like what we've talked about before. So then you take that in the spirit that it's intended and then you kind of work through it and you figure out, you know, what, what you need to do moving forward. But I think that there's so much um, just in life generally, definitely with the publishing, writing and publishing process that can be so, um, oh, so punishing, just so just. I mean, you just have to have such a thick skin just to, I mean, and um, so just having that space where, you know, you are seen as sort of a full human being and appreciated and where you also help people and are a support to them. Um, I just think it is so critical. Um, and I do think, you know, 
there's definitely a stereotype about women not being able to do it. But I have to say, like in my life experience, overwhelmingly, you know, the the most um, wonderful communities I've been, I've had the pleasure to participate in are, are there, I think they're men. Well, not all. in graduate school, it was a mix of men and women, but I just overwhelmingly, it's, it's women. So, um, you know, and I think part of that is like, you need to bring to that space the energy that you want to find there. Um, and so that's another sort of empowering piece of it. That's a big piece of it because you do bring an energy. So, you know, it, your vibe of your, they say the quote is what your vibe attracts your tribe. And there's a lot of truth in that statement. And, but there's so much power when you have all of that positive energy in one space, like it really can fuel you to do some incredible things, just like with you writing this book. And um, so I just appreciate you sharing that aspect. Cause I think it's, you know, it's, it's, it's very important to me. So it was awesome to hear you and, and how it has really played that kind of role um, what, for you as well. Yeah. And I think that that's why you and I kind of had that connection in the beginning. Cause I don't even remember how we exactly started talking about it, but we have just both had um, such important experiences within that space and just had identified how important that was and how important it was it continues to be. Um, and so I, I just think that, um, you know, and to the extent that we have also touched upon off the podcast, just that, you know, we all felt the loss of that this past year, and it really does underscore the importance of it. Um, so, uh, yeah, I would say for me, um, the writing community, my writing group, the publishing community, um, my publisher. It's just, uh, it's been a real gift to be able to be a part of all of those spaces. So I'm grateful. Cool. So where can somebody get the book? Oh yeah. the book. Speaking of my publisher, hello. <laughs> Hi Bess. Anything else you might want to mention? <laughs> um, <laughs> so um you may get the book um, at Park Road Books. They're signed copies at Park Road Books if you're in Charlotte. Um, you can get it at Barnes & Noble. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it at Main Street Books and Davidson. You can get it from Warren Publishing. If you go to bestkersher.com, there are links to all of those places um, and spaces where you can order it. And there also is more information about the book if you're just curious to know. Um, more about the story and um, where, yes. can they, where can they follow you because I know you're on social media <laughs> I am on social media I'm on Facebook um, I'm on Twitter and I'm on Instagram I'm at Bess Kersher on Twitter I'm um, May Mucho which is actually a pen name that I originally blogged under a little known fact that's a fun fact about that me that is a fun <laughs> fact I didn't know that that's cool Yes. So, um, yes. So check it out. Well, I have, we're going to switch gears. Cause I have to say one reason I knew we were kindred spirits was the fact that during the workout and I would throw out, like, I would give you all like, you know, 30 seconds to move or do some car and you're over there breaking it down in a cheer routine. And I was like, <laughs> this woman is a kindred spirit. I already know it. Like I already need to know her beyond her doing, uh, being a part of this fitness group. So that right there was like a signal to me. I was like, oh my gosh. Yes. Well, you know, we all get along so well. <laughs> well, I have to, okay. So now I have to give a shout out to the letter girls, West Charlotte high school, class of 88. Go lions. Yes. Um, but yes, so <laughs> it was so fun. I loved it. I didn't learn the routine, but it was so fun watching. Well, it was so funny because, you know, we talked about this. So I, <laughs> during the pandemic craziness, when everything shut down and there was not, you know, initially there was nothing, we just didn't know how to navigate it. 
and everything was so depressing and everything was so hard. And, you know, I was just trying to figure out like, okay, I can, I'm going to go for a walk or a run or whatever. And so I was like, what can I do? And I was like, I bet I re- I bet I could remember that letter girl dance. I, I think, I, and so I made it like, <laughs> like, okay, if my children could hear this right now, they would be like dying, they'd be under the table. Oh my gosh. But I, and, but I did, I remembered it. I, and, um, you know, I would go into my <laughs> bedroom and start the music. And that was like my, my little workout for a while. So then when I intersected with you, you're like, just do what you feel. I'm like, all right, you asked for it lady. <laughs> I'm totally breaking it down. It was awesome. And that, that's how I knew. I was like, oh, she's, she's going to get along so well, just from the fact that she's in the middle. We're in the park on the basketball court. Everybody's doing their own thing. And Beth is breaking out a cheer dance. And by own thing, that was, that was like marching in place or you know, like jumping jacks. Right. <laughs> or, you know, Bring hey, out the lion's dance. Bring it out awesome. the lion's dance. Yes. Well, do you have anything specific that you're doing now as far as workouts or is there something that you do now that you enjoy other than cheer dance? Is there other things that you do? Um, Well, you know, now that it is so pretty, um, you know, I love being outside. I love to walk and, um, you know, I'm not naturally a runner, but I have trained for half marathon before. So occasionally I will do that. Um, I, so in keeping with my, like wanting to be a little off the beaten path and kind of fun, um, another throwback exercise thing that I have on it, on the radar that um, I'm hoping to do next is to buy a new pair of roller skates. And so the next time you're in Freedom Park, because that was a real love of mine many many years ago and so I'm excited to kind of pick that up again but I would say you know in general my favorite workouts and exercise options always involve connection to something or or people who are just fun and just make me laugh or smile which is why I'm doing the West Charlotte Letter Girls dance in my bedroom, or I'm in Freedom Park with you. Right. Or I'm training for a half marathon with my husband because he's a fabulous runner. And we found this race in Myrtle Beach on Valentine's Day. And it's like, well, let's do it. You know, and that kind of energy (laughs) can take me a long way. Um, I love that. It's so true. It's, it's amazing what you can do if you're surrounded by the right energy or the right group of people. Like you'll do things you didn't think you would even, you know, before even give it thought. Yeah. So that's freaking awesome. What about <laughs> now? So if you're working out, so let's say if you're going out for a walk or run or you're, um, you've got, you know, a different type of workout you're doing, do you listen to music or do you listen to podcasts? You know, it really depends on my mood. I often, when I'm walking, I typically like to listen to podcasts. Um, and that's just sort of my space. It's sort of like, it reminds me of kind of like my reading space, but it's just a different, you know, when I'm walking and then I just, I tend to love to do that. If I'm running or I'm doing any kind of cardio workout or anything, I, I love to listen to music. But again, it kind of depends. There's not necessarily a specific go-to anthem <laughs> but just kind of my mood and but I love to be distracted by music and again I think that's just such a, an easy way to kind of be infused with that fun energy um, if you're having a hard time finding it yeah well I think it's interesting that you say that because I know I've had some people go I don't listen to music at all I listen to just podcasts and I'm like huh all right because I, I switch gears you know I'm podcast for certain things and, and just like you music for others um, and of course it'll depend on the mood, but I'm always fascinated by that. And I wasn't sure because you're a writer. So I was like, Hmm, I wonder if she's podcast or music, but I know you like to break out the cheer dance. So like <laughs> I mean, desperate times. Yes, yes, I know, but it's oh, so great. Yes, I love sure. it. <laughs> Listen, I break out my own stuff in my own room. So like in my own dance routine, it's so fun. <laughs> I'm so grateful you just kept showing up to Freedom Park knowing what was coming. 
and that you're yeah. going to be publicly in this, you know, <laughs> high world. Woo! We got, so some, fun. got some fun stuff yeah. going on over here. <laughs> well, I just want to thank you so much for taking time out um, to be to be with me today right here. And uh, I ask this question every time, but is there anything else on your heart that you want to share with our listeners? You know, I think that right now, I feel like we're in such an interesting time and space where things are kind of opening back up and people are trying to navigate um, being out in the world and being back together again and and all of those things. And I would just say, um, just be kind to yourself. And just be kind out there. You know, I think um, it has been just such a hard time for so many people and for just everyone, you know, and that one thing that we, when we had this sort of collision of like politics and pandemic and all of these things that we sort of lost that default space, which is just sort of approaching someone with openness and kindness. And I'm really, I am personally working on that myself. Um, but also do it, turn it inward, you know, um, just be kind. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on today and sharing your story. And, uh, I can't wait to read your book because that's something I really want to do knowing the story behind it. So, uh, yeah, I know. Just thank you for your time. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed talking to you. Yeah, me too. Thank you for joining me today. If you like the podcast, please like and share this with other women in your life. You can find out more about SweatNet on SweatNet.com or follow them on Instagram at SweatNet and SweatNet Charlotte. You can follow me personally on Instagram at Smart. Stay tuned for the next episode of the SweatNet Be Amazing podcast.